as human beings that are restricted by time, we remember the past, we live in the present, and we anticipate the future. God is not of that nature, for he is eternal. The promises that he has made were made from the beginning. He knows our life, and he holds a future for us. That's amazing grace that God has given to us of looking to the future, but it's also based upon the past, the remembrance of what God has given to us or the promises that he's made to us through his word. It has to do with the present of how we live our lives day by day, if I walk with the Lord here, I know the Lord will make a way for me. Peter, as he's writing towards the end of his life in Second Peter, in chapter 3, but all through the beginning of the book, Peter is reminding us of several things. One is, I know some things are taking place, and I'm writing to you to bring these things to your remembrance. You're mentioning that several times, so that you might remember what has been said that you might remember the promises of God. And sometimes even Christians forget that, or they, they know what it says, but they will overlook it, and uh, you'll hear them talk every once in a while when it's pouring down rain. Well, are you building your ark? Well, we know our scriptures, we know that's not necessary. Because he promised us that he will not destroy the world by a flood again. So that's foolish for the Christian to say, well, are you building your ark because of all this rain? One is listening to God's word. Again, Peter is saying, I'm writing this thing so that you can recall them after I am gone. And that's what we have here for us are these written words that were penned during the first century so that we can recall these things for us after these men are gone of a life that God desires for us to live along the way. But we also live with the promise that he's with us each step of the way. And we also live with a promise that there is something he has prepared for the child of God that is in the future. And when we think about what he's prepared for us, then it is that concept of that amazing grace that God has for us. First, or in John 14, verses 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, what? There you may be also. I'm writing to tell you I'm going to prepare a place. There's the present, living now, the preparation for the future, and the anticipation of what indeed the Father will give to us. Promise was made again about his second coming when in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. You've seen him taken up into heaven. He will come again to receive us unto himself. We have these promises Again, we live our lives with anticipation of one of the faithfulness of God to his word. 
to the promises that he has given. He does not lie. He cannot lie. Titus 1, 2 and Hebrews 6 and verse 18. It is impossible for God to lie. And he says, if you are faithful unto death, you shall receive this crown of life. You shall receive this eternal life with God in heaven. But that is that condition that is there. Peter is saying, I'm writing to you so you would know how. You need to conduct yourself so that you can hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. We have to make those changes along the way. The promises made throughout the lives of the apostles down from time to time. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 22. O Lord, come. We're looking for that time when he will come. There's that anticipation. There is that desire or that reminder to us as we look as we continue on that he will come when? He's going to give you a sign seven days before it happens. In seven days, I'm going to come. So you just need to begin to make preparation for that. Is that what he says? Doesn't make that promise that way, does he? I will come at a time when you least expect it. I will come like a thief in the night. And you need to be prepared so when that time does come, whenever it is, you're ready to go. Which means what? I need to have that mindset that reminds me of the love of God, the faithfulness of God, the grace that he has bestowed upon me, the joy that he has promised to me, and live a life in such a way that that joy and that promise can become a reality. And not knowing that time, we're reminded all the time you have to live each day as if it was your own. Each day you live. You also know that there is no way that you could get it done if this was your last day on earth. Sometimes we'll talk about that and we'll reflect upon that. If you knew this was the last day you had to live on this earth, what would you be doing? And I said, I promise you, whatever it is that you think you would be doing, if you knew that this was the last day on earth, you could not do everything you wanted to do. It's an impossibility. Because you knew there'd be so many things you need to do. I need to be correct in my life, get things straightened out in my life. I need, to, I need to be talking to others, get things straightened out in their lives. I need to be praying for those who have lost souls. I need to strive to have them converted and all that. There's no way that you could get it all done. But you live each day as if it was your last day. You live it in faith in God. You live it in trust in His Word. You live it that as a child of God, striving to do God's will, that he's aware of the life that you live. So that when it does come to an end, you've lived a life that would be pleasing in his sight. We need to keep reminding ourselves of that in the life that we live. Peter is going to remind those of some things that have taken place. Because the Lord has not come in 2,000 years, it was in the days of Peter, and we're only talking about in the first century. That in the first century, by the end of the first century, there were already scoffers out there. Where is the promise of his coming? He's promised he's going to come again, and he has not come. Where is that promise? He's not keeping his word. Everything is the same as it was since the beginning. Where does that information come from? 
comes from Satan. Everything's the same. It hasn't changed. Peter says, no, you've missed something. They're called a flood in between there. Everything is not the same since the beginning of time. Things have changed. God has interacted with humanity, and things are not the same. And God has made a promise that he is going to come again. He's kept his word throughout that time in the beginning, during the days of Noah. He's kept his word throughout the days of Israel. He's kept his word out through the time that he's faithful to his word. So it's not the same as that. So the scoffers are there. We need to be mindful of that. Be aware of that. That's, that's just the reality of the life in which we live. It's foolish to say, well, he's going to come again. Nothing has changed. We may hear some talk about 6,000 years or some will talk about 25 or 25 million years or billion years, whatever they figure they want to throw out there. Nothing has really changed. We're all along the same line. But time has changed. People have changed, but God has not changed. His word is true, and he will be faithful to his word. Do not let the scoffers overwhelm us or destroy us or discourage us. Do not let those who have been led astray. Well, God's word really does not mean that. These are just figures of speech, and it's going to be okay, and you'll have the fair warning before he comes again. You hear that a lot of times when, you know, when things are getting really get bad, then you know, I know when it gets close to time, I'll make a change in my life. We do it physically. <clears throat> Excuse me. I know individuals who do that physically. I'll wait until I get a little bit older, and then I'll make the change. Well, sometimes waiting until you're a little bit older, you die just before you make that change. You know, I know I've known individuals who have lived their lives for retirement, and then exiting, exiting their, their company, get a bad report on the health report and find out they only got six months to live. I've lived, he said, I've lived, I've worked, I've done what I wanted to do, I've saved things up, I've been involved in this, I'm doing all of this so that when I get to retire, I am going to do this, 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 and this. Since me, the scriptures talked about that. Did not James say that? Here's what we're going to do. In a year, we're going to go this, this, and we're going to make a profit, and we'll go so on and so forth, and says, you don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. But you know who holds tomorrow. We know who holds tomorrow. But God is consistent in what he has to say. That's what we got the scriptures for. That's why, as we look towards the future and see his amazing grace, that's based upon what we've seen in the past with his amazing grace. Again, you just take time to, to read Scripture and you have to marvel at His marvelous and His wonderful grace that He's shown upon humanity. Yes, He has been strict. Yes, He has brought the flood. Yes, He's punished Israel. But His grace is still there. For those who will believe and obey, that grace is still there. He has made promises that He's kept His promises. It's gone through the centuries as he's promised what he is going to do. In the days of these kings, I will bring up, I will establish a kingdom that will never be destroyed. And it's amazing, again, as human history looks at it, that he could name three out of the four kingdoms by name before they ever came into existence. 
He could name kings by name 150 years before they were ever born. And the world's response is there's no way that man could know that. So Daniel had to have been writing after all these events took place. Well, the first part of it is right. There's no way that man could know the future. There's no way that man could predict and say this kingdom will follow this kingdom and this kingdom will follow that kingdom and this kingdom will follow that kingdom in the days of this king this is what is going to take place man could not do that but God can and God did and God kept his word so because of his faithfulness to what he has already promised we have the assurance that he will continue to be faithful to his word and what will unfold in this life but more so than what will unfold in the eternal life. Do we trust him as we go along the way? God is long-suffering. Peter would remind, me, remind us there in Second Peter 3. He's not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God is long-suffering. How long-suffering is he? Well, he's been long-suffering since he created this world. How long is he going to remain long-suffering? We do not know. We know he'd be long-suffering, until he says, that's it. The end has come. And we will be ushered into eternity. When that day comes, the Lord knows. Not us. But the Lord knows when that day will be. But the fact is, his grace, his grace has been extended, if you will, until the end of time. His marvelous grace that ought to change how we view and perceive things along the way. He is not willing that any should perish. Marvelous grace. You look around at the world. You look at humanity as we encounter it from day to day. You see the lifestyle that they live. And then you think about the grace of God. His grace is that every single soul that we encounter, that every single soul that has an attitude of rebellion against the existence of God or against the word of God, that every individual that has a a hatred for what is right and what is good, God in his long suffering is desiring that that soul could hear the gospel, believe the gospel, obey the gospel, live the gospel life, and find salvation in heaven. He's long-suffering. How many have we written off? Just said, no way. No way that person is ever here. No way that other person would respond. There's no sense in talking to that individual. God in his long-suffering is not willing for any to perish, but indeed for all to come to repentance. So that day of the Lord will come will come as that thief in the night. Come unexpectedly. But the wise servant, Jesus gave us parables about the wise servant and the foolish servant. The wise servant does the will of the master even when the master is not there. The foolish servant chooses to live the life he wants to live 
believing that before the master returns, he will have an opportunity to set things straight. And he will be caught unaware. For the child of God, we're not being caught unaware. We do not know the day. We do not know the hour. That does not matter for the child of God. What matters for the child of God is that I live a life in light of the blood of Jesus Christ for the blessings that he holds out for those who are faithful to him so that again one day we can anticipate, we'll look forward to, and believe we shall hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But for the others, it's going to be unprepared and will come unexpectedly within their life. There be no doubt about it. We live in a day, we've lived in the day since the first century. We lived in a time in the first century when they were trying to anticipate when would that day be. And they would see signs that they think would lead up to it and they would predict the time. That's in the first century. That has not ceased since the first century. We're in the 21st century. And there are still date setters out there. This is what's going to take place just before the Lord comes again. And we can say this is what, because of what we read and what we study and how we perceive things in the, in the way that we've mapped it out. We understand this is the time frame in which he's going to live. They've been setting the date since the first century. Almost in every generation you look at, you could find the date setters there. They've always been there. Setting the time frame and said, this, everything points up to this time. No, it doesn't. Only the Lord knows when that time will be. But they're out there and they're convincing at times. But they really do not believe what they are saying. They go through the motions and make the decisions. We've had them all the time. Haley comments and whatever else is out there pass through. They all say, that's it. This is what it's saying. That's the sign of the time. Let's get up on the hillside and let's wait for them. They were doing that in the first century. Those in Thessalonica were thinking the Lord was going to come again. They quit working. That, that aspect hadn't quit either or gone away. They just quit working. Go up on the hillside and sit. Said, he's coming. Since he's coming in the clouds, we'll be in the highest place we can get so we can meet him first. He's not coming that way. He come like that thief in the night. He will come unexpectedly. There will be no doubt about what has taken place. We have individuals who claim to have affiliation with the Lord's church who teach and believe that the Lord came, that the Lord physically came back to the earth in A.D. 70. They cannot explain it. They cannot explain if he came back in A.D. 70. Why do you still partake of the Lord's Supper? But they're there. They defend the doctrine. That's in the church. Let alone what's out in the world and all the false teachings that they have. We have been given promises by God through his word to the faithful child of God so that they can have a conviction and an assurance because of past promises 
past prophecies, past fulfillments, God being faithful to his word and everything that he said down through time, from creation all the way down through time, he's been faithful to his word. He cannot lie. To know that there are the, there are the false doctrine, or teachers out there and what they say is false. We're not to be caught up in that, to be led, uh, led astray. Ours is to know that when it comes, like you said, it's going to be a thief in the night, unexpectedly, and it's going to be over. You got those, as they read in Second Peter 3, 9 and following, who believe that when the earth will be burned over with intense heat and all the elements will melt, that simply, that simply means that the earth is going to be scorched over by the, the fire, and then when it's all done, there's going to be a brand new earth down here. And then we're going to dwell down here. That's where we're going to live forever, down here on the earth. And then they tell you, isn't that a wonderful thought to consider? I'd rather be in heaven with God than down here. But there are those that teach that. And there are those who get persuaded by that. There are those who have known the truth, who have gotten caught up in teachings along that line and have led them away from the truth of God's Word. We have the promises of God. Ours is to keep them, <laughs> keep them true in our heart, to know that they are what God has said. And ours is to desire to be faithful to Him, that we can have what He had promised to us. This new heaven and this new earth were in dwelleth righteousness. Again, no way that we, in the physical sense, can comprehend eternity. No way that we, in the physical sense, can comprehend eternity in the presence of the living God in heaven. Peter, John, Paul, and the others, as they try to describe that, give us terms that we can somehow relate to. But there's just no way for us to catch the glimpse of what heaven is. And we take the, pitch, uh, the pieces that we like. We hear people talk all the time about the pearly gates. The pearly gates and Peter being at the pearly gates. And they don't read all that what John had to say in Revelation about how many gates there were in the first place. What's involved in that? I've talked with individuals who believe that John writing about heaven is literally speaking. And that street, we hear people talk about the streets of gold. It says the street of gold was made of gold. And that it was literally physical gold. And I said, it's just a figure of speech. person got agitated, got upset. One in the Lord's church. It's, it's literally a street of gold using what we can identify with to try to explain something that we cannot comprehend. As you read Revelation, and as you read that description of heaven, do you not catch the beauty? I mean, do you not catch the beauty of what's, what he's trying to describe? It goes beyond our even our wildest imagination, if you will, to say it's beyond what we can visualize. We're, because we're physical and we have limitations, 
we try to picture that which is spiritual in a dimension that we do not comprehend to be just a physical location. Where exactly is heaven and what's outside and so on and so forth? God is everywhere. Well, how do you comprehend that? God's with you. God's with me. God's with you. He's with all of his people. Well, how is that possible? So how can we be at the throne of heaven? See, we have to have something we can identify. The rulership. And thrones are what we associate with rulership. So there's a throne. We're trying to, to grasp or to, the writers are trying to help us grasp something that is beyond our comprehension. Beyond theirs as well. There's something about heaven that is to touch the soul. There is this marvelous grace of God that challenges us and encourages us to look forward to what he has to give. It's a blessing that is for the child of God. It's a blessing that he offers to anyone who is not a child of God. Again, he's not willing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And then Peter, excuse me, Peter closes out Second Peter. We are to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Each day we live. Each day that we live, is there a hunger? Is there a thirst? Is there a love for what God has provided, for what God is providing, and for what God shall provide for those who so love the Lord that they've given their life to him, believing that he'll keep his word and he'll keep his promise. But if our life is not of that nature, there's a need for us to make a change. And God in his grace and in his mercy has always provided time for us to be able to do that. But he's also promised us there comes a time in the physical when death shall come. And when that happens, then the destiny is sealed. One of the man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. The destiny is sealed. What will it be? I know there's a great day coming, but it's also described as a sad day. A great day for those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. A sad day for those who are outside the faith, who will not hear that. Well done, good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your master. The invitation is yours. If there's a need to respond to it, if we could assist you, if we could help you in any way in making your life right with God, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing. <laughs>